0: Chapter One You, Brockton, I heard McCready calling. Step out from behind that tree and keep your hands where I can see them. I'm unarmed, I yelled, stepping from my observation post behind an oak tree. But I've got a PhD and I'm not afraid to use it. One wrong move and I'll lecture you to death. The joke, mostly a joke, drew laughs from the weary FBI agents, as I'd hoped it would. I'm Dr. Bill Brockton, I added as I approached. Welcome to the body farm. I approached the rim of the empty grave, which was ringed with evidence flags and sweat-drenched FBI forensic techs. Peering into the hole, I saw that they had excavated all the way down to undisturbed soil, four feet down. The clay there was deeply grooved, as if it had been clawed by an immense monster. I, in fact, was that monster, and I'd left those marks the day before, when i dug the grave with a backhoe. I'd missed most of today's excavation, having spent the morning entombed deep inside Neeland Stadium, the colossal cathedral to college football that the University of Tennessee had erected beside the emerald waters of the Tennessee River. Wedged beneath the stadium's grandstands, caught in a spiderwork of steel girders, was Stadium Hall, a dingy string of offices, classrooms, and laboratories, most of them assigned to the anthropology department, which I chaired. The rooms were strung along one side of a curving quarter-mile corridor, one that underscored the hall in Stadium Hall. At mid-afternoon, when McCready had texted to say that the training exercise was nearly finished, I'd hopped into my truck, crossed the bridge, and slipped through a high wooden gate and down through the woods, stepping carefully to avoid treading on the bodies and bones scattered throughout the three-acre site. Donated corpses, whose post-mortem careers were meticulously scrutinized, itemized, and immortalized in photos, journal articles, scholarly dissertations, and law enforcement anecdotes. Officially, my macabre laboratory was named the Anthropology Research Facility, but a few years before, one of McCready's waggish FBI colleagues had dubbed it the Body Farm, and the moniker, popularized by crime novelist Patricia Cornwell, had caught on so thoroughly that even I, the facility's creator, tended to call it by the catchy nickname. For several years now, the FBI had been sending evidence response team members to the body farm for training exercises like this one. With a ready supply of actual human corpses, plus plenty of privacy, the facility was the only place in the nation, possibly in the entire world, where forensic teams could hone their skills in such realistic scenarios. The three corpses, just unearthed by McCready's team, had gradually attracted a cloud of blowflies. Some of which strayed, either at random or in an excess of eagerness, from the faces of the dead to the eyes and nostrils of the quick, causing the agents to squint and swat at the unwelcome intruders. Off to one side was a large mound of sifted dirt, plus piles of clay clods and rocks too big and too hard to pass through the quarter inch wire mesh. On the ground beside the dirt lay the screen, and atop the mesh, three cartridge cases, two cigarette butts, and one wad of chewing gum, plus a gum wrapper. I scrutinized the screen, then the bodies, then the hole in the ground, taking my time before turning to face the assembled agents. That's it? That's all you got? Their expressions, which had been confident and proud a moment before, turned nervous when I added, So y'all just ran out of steam before you got to the fourth body? Exchanging worried glances, they returned to the edge of the grave, their eyes scanning its floor and walls. I chuckled. Kidding, I said, and a chorus of good-natured groans ensued. Okay, so tell me what you've learned from the scene. I pointed at Kimball, the eager young agent who'd cast the tire tracks. Agent Kimball, I said, you like to make a good impression? More groans as the dreadful pun sank in. What else does that rut tell us besides the fact that the puddle had dried up by the time the tracks were made? McCready had texted me a few notes on the team's findings, starting with her observations about the tire impressions. Kimball frowned, so I gave him a hint. How many sets of tracks did you cast? Just the one, he said. That's all. He hesitated, his eyes darting back and forth. Then the light dawned. Ah. They all rode in together. Bingo, I said, but they didn't all ride out together. And what about the grave? What does the evidence there tell us? The cartridge cases are from two different weapons, said one of the dirt sifters. They're all nine millimeter Remington, but there's two different firing pin impressions. One's round, the other's rectangular. I nodded approvingly. When I'd asked a friend on the campus police force for spent shells, I'd specifically requested shells from two different handguns. So I was pleased that the difference had been noticed.